Hello and welcome to a special ePod uh, this week focused on Brexit. We've had uh, David Cameron over in Brussels for the uh, last day or so and of course we'll be heading into tough negotiations at the end of the week with his counterparts in member states to hammer out a Brexit deal. I'm joined here as always by my colleague uh, and our head of parliamentary intelligence, Richard Steele. Richard, Cameron was supposed to meet with the uh, Conference of Presidents this week, wasn't he? But he didn't. Why the change of plan? Well, I think he realised probably better use of his time talking to the real key players in the parliament than uh, giving airtime to Nigel Farage and Marine Le Pen and, uh, and the like. So in the end, he saw the people he needed to see, uh, Martin Schulz yet again, EPP and socialist leaders, Manfred Weber and, and, and Gianni Pitella, and then the three Sherpas from the Parliament side who have been really involved in the uh, the nitty-gritty negotiations, uh, that's Brock, uh, Galtieri uh, and Verhofstadt. So I think he actually played it quite well. Why uh, lose time having uh, spats with Nigel Farage, um, who claimed that, you know, he was... Cameron was frit, that he'd uh, insulted the four million voters um, who'd voted for for UKIP at the oh, European he's, elections. He's a big fan of uh, democracy. He's a, a big, big fan of democracy. Um, so I think I say, I, I think in the end, he, he was wise, uh, certainly wise not to go to the full plenary, which would have been very much dominated by a Farage Le Pen uh, roadshow. But I think better to see those key players who will be the ones he needs to convince. Uh, rather than just to see um, all the leaders like uh, uh, like the Greens, the GUI, uh, and, and and Farage, etc. What, what, what has he gained out of uh, the meetings he had uh, he had yesterday? Well, I think he wanted some more reassurance that the Parliament would play ball and and step into line with the decision uh, reached by, uh, if there's a decision to be reached this this weekend. Clearly, the Parliament has its own game to play. It wants to puff up its own importance. So Martin Schulz and the political group leaders are all very keen to point out that the Parliament, of course, could not just rubber stamp, sign a blind check. They would have to see what the Commission proposals were on this uh, secondary legislation to do with the emergency break and then take their decision. Now, that doesn't help Cameron a lot because what he wanted was to go back and say, I've got cast iron uh, guarantees. So they could have done more. I think they probably could have done more. I think the language that they could have used to reassure him so that he could use that to go back home and say, um, yes, the Parliament, of course, has its democratic right uh, to deal with the legislation, but I am reassured by my, my good friends in the Parliament um, that they will not overturn a decision taken by the 28 leaders. Martin Schultz, very keen to point out that the Parliament, of course, did not have a right to veto uh, the decision, but he's maybe left enough wiggle room for the Eurosceptics to say, oh, well, the Parliament can still really sort of cause problems with this uh, secondary legislation uh, when it finally comes out after the, um, the, 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 the British people have voted um, on the referendum. So, and in fact, if we get, uh, we get a yes vote, the UK stays in, I presume a lot of these negotiations to get these changes approved are not going to be done quickly. We're not going to see an emergency break in place within a, a couple of months of a yes vote. Well, again, the Parliament has said they will expedite, they will go in as fast as possible, but, but no, these things take time. By the time you've appointed rapporteurs, committees have had their say. 
again, I think the Parliament will see this as an opportunity to show its own importance. Uh, it will take several months, I would have thought. And seeing as and is there not capacity for some of these, uh, let's say, political parties within the uh, Parliament who, from a national domestic level, are under extreme pressure on migration? Do you, is this just an opportunity to chuck in a whole bunch of sectional interests, pet causes? I mean, this is surely going to complicate things. I mean, how do you possibly... Political groups themselves in the Parliament struggle to control their own people at the best of times, but with an issue which politicians at a domestic level are going to be under extreme pressure, uh, it's going to be quite hard, isn't it, to avoid some a lot of complication creeping into this? I, I'm sure, particularly from the fringes of the Parliament, there will be all sorts of, of, of attempts uh, to amend, to, 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 to confuse, uh, to, to muddle things up. I think in the end, the Parliament will play ball. Um, I think Cameron, I think one of the key parts of his visit yesterday was really to show that he treats the Parliament sufficiently seriously. He's cultivating relationships. He's met the key players like Schultz and Weber uh, now on several occasions. I think the Parliament will eventually step into line. The timing, I think, though, uh, will, will be tough. Um, and as I say, as these proposals that will come from the Commission to amend this legislation can't really be proposed until after the referendum vote, mm. uh, it does leave uh, still some doubt uh, hanging in the air. OK, well, let's look ahead to uh, the summit, which will take place at the end of this week. I mean, going into these negotiations, I mean, how do things how do things look around the table? Who's um, How are other countries looking at... Uh, uh, at Cameron, how they like to approach these negotiations? Well, I, I think the French has always been an interesting one because I think they are the ones who, you know, long-standing mistrust of perfidious Albion. You know, is the city trying to pull a fast one uh, and get a de facto veto over over financial regulation? I think maybe it's the French more than anyone who who still have this, you know, smarting from Cameron's veto on the fiscal compact treaty back at the at the end of 2011. Well, they've, they've thrown it back in his face, haven't they? This week, threatening to roll out the red carpet for... <laughs> yes, no, I mean, that's wonderful quotes from, from, from uh, Emmanuel Macron, the, the French finance minister, saying that they would roll out the red carpet for, for city bankers who, um, who were forced to leave if there, was a, if there was a Brexit, which, of course, is, is really sort of playing on the, the words that Cameron used about four years ago uh, after Hollande had hiked up his taxes, that French finances would be was very welcome in uh, in London and I think this you know the fact that HSBC have come out saying they would move a thousand bankers to Paris uh, in, in the event of a Brexit adds a little sort of bit of of of, uh, of of interest and I'm sure you know there are those in in both Paris and Berlin who are eyeing up who would become the financial centre uh, in the event of, of of the UK leaving uh, but, but this is not going to obviously change the commitment of either of these countries to keeping the UK in, presumably? I, I don't think so. I think, I mean, I think I'm sure, uh, certainly with the French, that they will find some some wording which keeps everyone uh, suitably happy and that gives the French enough confidence that the British are not somehow getting yes. uh, a competitive but advantage. But they won't be able to resist a little dig. And they, I'm sure there'll be a few little digs uh, and whatever. Um, and Germany, what's, uh, I mean, uh, so far, very kind of, well... Classic man in the middle or woman in the middle role for uh, for them in these negotiations. Yes, yeah, so I think I think Angela Merkel yet again playing honest broker, um, uh, very, I think very keen to, clear to keep the UK in. 
although it's Donald Tusk who's who's doing um, much of the negotiations, uh, I'm sure Merkel uh, behind the scenes uh, has been very active. The reaction from the from the German press has been has been very interesting. So the the day after Tusk uh, revealed his deal, when the uh, UK Eurosceptic press went to town with uh, talks of betrayal and, and 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 selling Britain down the river, we had you know Germans' biggest selling tabloid built saying an EU without Britain would be poorer geographically, economically, <clears throat> but most of all spiritually. Now, can you well, imagine? The Germans don't do tabloids like the Brits do tabloids. No, do they? no. I mean, I can't imagine the Sun coming out with some headline in the event of you know Germany leaving the uh, the EU, saying that we would be spiritually weaker. That's more like to be healthy uh, own pet, isn't it, it? I think it would be something along those lines. Um, and what about the polls? I mean, you mentioned the fact <coughs> that, that Tusk has been in the middle of these uh, negotiations from from a PIS point of view. I mean, this is a red rag to a bull, isn't it? Anything that's got the stamp of Donald Tusk in it is, is quite likely to be trashed by them. Uh, absolutely. And I think it's a, he must be having to sort of walk a fine line uh, in terms of, of, of not being sort of accused back home of, of, uh, of, of, of betraying Polish interests, etc., Clearly, this whole issue of access to social benefits has become the most sensitive issue. Um, yet again, we've seen this Visegrad four group of, of, of countries from uh, from the Eastern Bloc um, uniting around a common position. One assumes that when it actually comes down to the to the end game, that they will play ball. I don't think any of those countries would want to see uh, an, an EU without the UK, which is a um, in many ways a good strategic ally. Uh, for them, uh, so, so the fact, in fact, that they have not, um, they haven't used the opportunity to score political points domestically against Tusk, perhaps reflects the fact that they take the prospect of the UK leaving quite seriously. Yes, and, and I'm sure also that they are you know, working out what they want in return uh, from Cameron, be it in, in, in the issues of um, d defence and NATO and and. Uh, all their concerns about about the, the threat from Russia, be it all their sort of concerns in in, in currently with the Commission um, on on rule of law, and will the UK sort of help them through this this difficult period where they are um, under the spotlight? So I I suspect again uh, a deal will be done, but maybe you know, leaving it to the last minute. Okay, so we've covered Germany, France, Eastern and Central Europe. How about the Italians? Mr Renzi's quite fond himself, isn't he, of battles with Brussels? He is, no, he's picking a fight with Brussels on, on, on a regular basis. Um, and I think the Italians have been really quite quite quiet on the, on the whole Brexit front. Um, I mean, their foreign minister came out, um, Piercarlo uh, Paduan, saying a Brexit would fuel anti-European sentiment across the continent and encourage other governments to call similar referendums. I think that has been one of the recurring themes throughout these negotiations, the risk that other countries will start looking both for special treatment, be it the Italians on the fiscal, um, on, on the stability pact, mm -hmm. or the French on, on internal market, uh, but also that um, Eurosceptic uh, countries like Hungary or Poland would be themselves tempted um, to to go along a similar route. Um, but Renzi came out with, with a very nice quote, I'm betting on David, uh, the letter sent by Donald is a good compromise. Angela will commit to help David. She's a leader. So, um, so he's fully behind. He's fully behind. As for Spain, um, I think Spain have got, obviously, much more uh, 
domestic concerns at the moment as they as they try and find uh, enough votes to form a government. Interesting, I think, that there hasn't yet been too much in the Spanish press making the link between the sequence of a, a, a vote to leave with the possibility then of a second Scottish referendum and the knock-on effect that would have on the whole issue of Catalan independence. Um, but um, uh, that's one to watch. OK, so um, looks like we're going to get a deal one way or another come the end of this week. What, what does this mean for the referendum result? I suppose it, it, it's, it's open as to how you spin it and, and, and play it. Uh, um, and we've seen that, obviously, in the different ways that the, 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 the press um, have reported whether the deal actually has been quite a, you know, a good thing, that Cameron actually has got far more than one could have thought of, or the Eurosceptic press really saying that he's, he's sold out. And I think the way that the, the, the press and the media, um, uh, which sides they take eventually before the referendum, will be very interesting. You know, how will the Murdoch press, will he you know, balance out his, his stable, having one publication like The Sun uh, against and, and one for? And, you know, and, and do do the national press still have the power that they had in the past? I mean, will we get headlines like the famous Sun won over over Neil Kinnock? You know, this, it was the Sun that won it. Mm -hmm. uh, is it more social media? Is it you know, is it Twitter what won it, or or Facebook or whatever? Um, so I think that whole media argument is 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 going to be a fascinating one. Personally, I think the the, the whole positioning of Boris Johnson. Is, is still a, uh, one that, that will have an, an influence. Um, Certainly he can make life very complicated for Cameron if he decides to put himself in the, in the leave camp. He, he can, and there's a wonderful irony that, you know, here we have the son of a, of a former Eurocrat uh, who clearly is weighing up uh, his political future. Does he fall into line, take a nice cabinet post when he stands down as, as mayor in, 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 in May and then bide his time to be to be Cameron's successor, or does he actually start thinking? You know, actually leading the Leave campaign would be uh, would be the launch pad of his um, leadership. Uh, well, I guess a lot will be defined both for him and, and I guess also for some of the newspapers by the polls. Nobody yes. wants to back a loser. Nobody. So mm -hmm. if it looks as if the UK are likely to stay in, I guess a lot of them will end up falling into line, and vice versa. So the risk is always there mm -hmm. if the polls look particularly close. But I guess. This is also about mobilisation. No? The campaigns need to make sure they get their voters out. And I guess the biggest risk for the in-campaign is a low turnout, a failure to get people to... Uh, I think so, polls. because clearly, um, I mean, F F Farage will mobilise the swivel-eyed loons uh, who you know, live and eat and breathe this, this issue. Uh, they'll all come out and vote. Of course, the podcast respects all views on that. It does indeed. I'm a, <laughs> that, was, that was Swivel Eyed Loons in inverted commas <laughs> as a quotation. Uh, I mean, can Labour uh, mobilise voters of Labour supporters who um, may be fairly lukewarm about uh, their, their views well, can, on your. Can, can Labour mobilise any voters at the moment? That's the, <laughs> that's the wider question. Uh -huh. So. I think maybe you're putting a lot of responsibility on Jeremy Corbyn's shul uh, shoulders to, to bring voters out. There's a question mark whether or not he can do it in a general election. So mm -hmm. I guess there's also a question mark as to whether or not he can do it in a referendum. Indeed. So I think uh, mobilisation will be key. Um, but as, as has you know, been so frequently said, uh, with referendum, you really just you can't tell. People do not answer the question that's put to them. 
what will be people's gut feelings uh, in June if it turns out to be a, a June vote. Really, I think anybody's guess. So it will go to the wire, which means you need to stay tuned to our podcast and also our our own intro website for the latest updates on uh, what is going on and what UK voters are are saying. So thank you very much to our listeners to listen to this special podcast. Um, we will back with our regular um, parliamentary update um, imminently. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.